0: Hi, friends. Welcome to the FBC Tuttle podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. We are so glad you're here. Each week on our podcast, you'll hear messages from our pastor, Brother Marty Williams. If you'd like to join us for worship, we meet every Sunday at 1045 a.m. Central in Tuttle, Oklahoma and online at fbctuttle.net. Now, let's get started. I appreciate that song that Roberta sang, you know, in that uh, the Lord is faithful and we we never walk alone. And, um, you know, as, as I, uh, and, and I can't remember, I don't remember if I told you guys last week that I was finished with John chapter 15. I didn't, did I happen to make that statement? Okay, good. I'm glad I didn't lie to you. <laughs> but, you know, as, as I was, um, I really thought I was. I thought I was finished with, with John chapter 15. I mean, it's been a wonderful study for me. To just uh, look more deeply at what it means to abide in Christ and all of the promises that uh, that go along with that. And uh, I know it sounds weird, probably to uh, to some of you, but um, I, I struggle a little bit at times with what to preach to you. And uh, and when I say struggle, I mean it's the Lord is faithful. Okay, the Lord is faithful. And uh, and he's always got a word for me. And uh, But th- this week, I was walking, I don't know, I, maybe, I think maybe it was on Tuesday. I was walking up and down these aisles. And I know it sounds crazy, but as I walk up and down these aisles, I guess there's a good thing about you guys sitting in the same place because I can see you in these aisles. And it gives me opportunity to pray for you. And as I was praying, I... I prayed, Lord, what do you want me to... What do you want to tell your people? What do you want to tell your people? And uh, that's an honest prayer for me. And uh, because I don't want to make this stuff up. You know, I went to a conference one time. Several of us went to it. And and I heard a preacher say that he knows what he's going to preach a year in advance. I thought, oh my gosh. I hardly even know a week in advance. But... And, and, you know, and just as clear as I could hear the Lord speak to me. I mean, it wasn't like I had to wait a day or two for an answer. As I was praying that, I mean, by the time I got back down the aisle, the Lord had just said, we're not done John chapter 15 yet. You need to go read some more. So, praise God. But as, as, as I thought about God's faithfulness and he's, he's always there for us and we walk with Him all the time, one of the things that that is said over and over in Scripture, right, are the things that we are to one another. And not only God intends God intends not only for us to walk with Him, in the fullness of His spirit, in, in, in the truth of His word, and yes, He is always with us, but, but also we are to be there for one another. Now I know that sounds crazy, but it's, it's important. It's important. You know, we, uh, we never know. I'll get to the end before I even get to the beginning. We never, we never know what all is going on in somebody's life but that we might not be able to come alongside with an encouraging word or, or whatever to be there for one another. And uh, so let's go back to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. This is, uh, I don't mean to preach this whole, the whole series over again, but this is a discourse that Jesus is having with his disciples. Judas is left, so it's only his true followers that are around him. These are Christian men. These are his disciples. Verses 1 through 11 of John chapter 15, Jesus speaks about maintaining his disciples, maintaining their relationship with himself and the Father, and he does that through the analogy right that of a vine and its branches. In John chapter 15 verse 5 he says, "I am the vine," this is Jesus. "I am the vine and you are the branches." He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can, you can do nothing. Anything that we are able to do for the Lord, any fruit that we are able to accomplish is all because of the work of Jesus. And that's something that, that as I preach these sermons, that has to be at the core of what we understand. It is nothing, there is nothing we can do of ourselves Even as we talk about, and we'll get to it in a little while, even as we talk about loving one another, that's not something we can do ourselves. In fact, it's it's like impossible for us to do that. I know me. I'm a selfish guy. Apart from the Spirit of God, I need to abide in Christ to be able to to do any of that. John, and then in in verse 7 and 8, it says... If you abide in me and my words abide in you you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so you will be my disciples we've talked about the importance of his word abiding in us scripture abiding in us meditating on it thinking on it allowing it to to change our hearts and Jesus in this in this those Two verses, right, says if, right, if, if, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask whatever you desire and it'll be, and it'll be done for you. What an amazing promise of answered prayer. But we have a little more to see in John chapter 15. Because Jesus in in this passage not only speaks of maintaining our relationship with him abiding in the vine and the work of the Father in pruning. And I, I didn't talk about any of that anymore, but God the Father is always working in our life to bear more and more fruit as we abide in Christ. But this passage also speaks to our relationship with each other. And not only our relationship with each other, but at the end of the chapter, talks about our relationship with the world, our relationship with those that are outside the church, unbelievers, and culture, and all kinds of stuff. And so we'll, we'll get to that, uh, not today, but we will get to that sometime before I get completely out of, out of John chapter 15. But before we get to the relationships with each other and our relationship to the world, I want to return to one final point in our relationship with Christ. And it's going to be in John chapter 15, verse 9 and 10. If you'd like to turn in your Bible or the guys will have it on the screen. And it says this, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. I want to... to be quick to to say at the at the outset, because this is another if and statement, right? If you if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. But can I tell you these these disciples? They're they're already in his love. They're already in his love. He says, "As the Father loved me, I have also." Loved you. He's still speaking of this relationship between himself and us, and he says, "I have loved you," past tense. Right? You're already there. You're already in his love. In fact, he says, "As the Father loved me, so I have loved you." Can I? Can I just say, if there was one thing, and then, and and really, I shouldn't even say it like that. Jesus was absolutely certain of it was. God's love for him. His father's love for him. You know, he he heard, he heard God say that. You remember at his baptism, when he goes to John the Baptist to be baptized, and and he comes up out of the water, and and a, a dove came down, and the voice of God says, this is my beloved son. You talk about affirmation. Amen. I mean, Jesus gave up heaven, gave up the throne of glory to come to earth to live as a man and to shed his blood and all of those songs that we sang about, that he gave his life so that we might have real life. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. In the book of John, in, in John chapter 3, and you know we, we talk about John chapter 3 a lot, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, God's love for us. But in John chapter 3, Jesus says this, The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. Jesus was absolutely confident that He was loved by His Father God. And He tells us as the Father loved me, so I love you. I tell you, that, that ought to, uh, that ought all by itself, it ought to enable us to overcome about anything that life throws at us. To know that we are loved by Almighty God. You know, I thought about, I thought about uh, how, how we how we express or how we feel about, about love. And I thought, you know what, what would be, you know, what would be a picture of that? And you know, I've, I, Brenda and I, have 12 grandkids. And, uh, and, a, and they are precious. They are precious. But once in a while, and it doesn't happen all the time, but once in a while as I'll be holding one of the little ones, They'll look at me and say, I love you, Grandpa. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, some of you are smiling. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I love you. Yeah, hi, I'm, I'm Maverick. I love you, Grandpa. And you know, that's what, that's what Jesus says to these disciples and he says to us. He says, I love you, Marty love you gary i love you as the father has loved me so i love you and you know in those times when when uh, molly or maverick or some of the other little ones would say i love you grandpa you know what they they pretty much could have anything they wanted there's no reason It's no wonder that he says, ask what you desire, and it will be given to you. Because I love you. I love you. Jesus was getting ready in just a few hours to demonstrate his love to them by going and dying on a Roman cross to pay the penalty for our sin. There's no greater love, Paul says in Romans 5.8. He says, but God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated his love. He tells them that he loves them. And he says, abide in my love. Abide in my love. Remain, stay, dwell. There's the command. There's the command we've been talking about. Abide in my word. Abide in me. Now Jesus says, abide in my love. Remain in my love. And then he tells us how to do that. (coughs) And he says this, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Oh, man. You mean I have to do something? To have this abiding, fruit-producing... Prayer, answering, love. Yes, we have to obey. We have to obey. You know, just as just as Jesus had to obey God, the, the, you know the the pass the passage says. That as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. And I I don't know that I've ever thought about that, that Jesus' secret to always doing the will of God. Was just obedience. He never sinned. He never sinned. How could he never sin? Because all of his life was manifested about doing the Father's will. We see it from the age of twelve, right when the family goes to Jerusalem for the for the feast, and he's and and. Mary and Joseph, they lose him on the way home and they look for him for three days and they find him in the temple and do you remember what he told them? I mean, he was confused. Why? Why would you be looking for me? Don't you know that I have to be about my father's business? From 12 years old, he understood that all of his life was to be about doing the will of the Father. I just I looked up just some passages in in John, right where Jesus says those kinds of things, and and you remember at the feeding of the five thousand when uh, when the disciples were gone. No, excuse me, it was at the woman at the well. The disciples were gone, and they come back and and. Uh, and they're talking about food and 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 Jesus told them my food is to do the will of him who sent me my nourishment my sustenance that that keeps me going is to do the will of God John chapter 8 says then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of Myself. But as the Father taught me, I speak these things. And He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please Him. I always do those things that please Him. John chapter 14 verse 31. But that the world may know that I love the Father. (laughs) And as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. And he tells us, Abide in my love. Obey my commandments. Keep my commandments. As I have abided in the Father and kept his commandments. And we say... Yeah, but that was Jesus. I'm not Jesus. Right? I I can't can't do that. You know, he he was God. Yes, he was God, but he was also fully human, come down for the express purpose of living a sinful life so that we might have life. And he says the only way that I can do that is by obeying and abiding in my Father. So you see, the the power of God that enabled Jesus to live that life of obedience to what the Father said is the same life that we have in abiding in the vine that we might have the ability to live a life of obedience as well. You see, we, we let ourselves off the hook in our humanness, I think, Way too easy. Now, was Jesus telling these disciples, be perfect. Don't sin. No. I mean, Lance, Peter was getting ready to deny him. James and John were fighting over positions in heaven or in the kingdom. Jesus knew they were not going to be perfect. right? So so, so what is this? Keep my commandments. and, And here's what it is. Do you know... What the revealed will of God for you in this matter is. Didn't do it. You're not always going to know. There's going to be temptations to sin that are going to surprise you. And you're going to look back on. and, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about when when you know what the will of God is for your life in this moment, then don't say no. Don't say, well, I know it's a lot of trouble. Don't say, tomorrow. I'll do that later. Jesus says, obey my commands. Obey my commands. And in in this will you... Abide in me. Obey my commands. See, I, I think that, that part of our problem with obedience comes from a wrong perspective that we have. See, none of us like being told what to do. I mean, typically we just don't. Now, if somebody asks us real nice, we're likely to do it. But if somebody just flat out tells us what to do, what, what's our first response? You know, I don't know. Who are you? Right? Now, that's not always true. My wife tells me something to do. Then sometimes I do it without hesitation. So it depends on the relationship. But Jesus Jesus said, because of his relationship with the Father and our relationship with him that mirrors that, same power. We only are, we're only empowered to be able to obey, to keep His commandments by, by the power that He has in His Father. And it's a glorious thing. But you see, we, we have this perspective <coughs> about obedience where we view obedience and commandment keeping as something that is wearisome and toilsome and, and joyless. Right? Oh, you know, yeah, Ten Commandments, read my Bible, obey God. And that's exactly what the enemy, God's enemy, which, by the way, is your enemy. It's exactly what the enemy wants you to to believe. It's exactly what he he tells you. It's exactly what he told Eve in the garden. Right? Did God say, right, You you know, you don't really need to obey, right? I mean... God loves you anyway. This is not a big deal. But you see that, how that's a trap of the enemy? Because it it causes us to, it causes us to to let our guards down. The enemy wants us to believe that obedience to Christ is dull and drudgery and and work and and wear you out and make you tired and it's no fun. But I want, you to, I want you to look what, what, the, what the Holy Spirit, what the, the Bible says, right? Verse 11 says this, These things, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. You see, the enemy does this as best he can to convince us that being obedient to the Word of God, being obedient to the Holy Spirit within us, being obedient to what Christ says is is wearisome and toilsome, and Jesus says, no, no. I say these things to you so that you may experience my joy. My joy. The word right? writes the word happiness. Delight, cheerfulness, and he says, "Not not just a little bit." You know, I can tell by looking at your faces. Maybe you've got a little bit of joy, right? But Jesus says, "No, that you might experience it to the full. That you might experience it to the full. To the, you know, it means to level up a hollow, right? I mean, I think about, I don't know, when I when I thought about that, I thought about you know digging a hole and then you're putting dirt back in it and you make it look like there's." Nothing there. You fill it completely up. Well, that's the word. To be complete, to be made full. Won't hold no more. Full of joy. We experience a fullness of joy through obedience. Not disobedience. Not rebellion against what God says. See, the enemy would have us believe that Joy is found in disobedience. Joy is found in those things that the world says seek pleasure here. God says joy is found by being obedient, by being obedient to me. And you know, and and now we're faced with what Henry Blackaby calls, you guys remember Henry Blackaby? What Henry Blackaby calls a, a, um, a crisis of belief. What are we going to believe? What are you going to believe? What am I going to believe? And am I going to believe that joy can be best experienced through obedience to the Word of God? Or am I going to believe the enemy that joy can be experienced outside obedience to the Word of God? The devil and the world tell us that the joyful life is found outside of Christ. It's found in disobedience to Christ. It's found in satisfying our own selves and our own pleasures. Jesus says joy is found in obedience. And the truth is that disobedience actually yields a loss of joy. We see it, we see it in the life of David in Psalm chapter 51. In Psalm chapter 51, it's a is a is a prayer of David in which he is a a repentant man. He is a broken and repentant man over his sin. The prophet Nathan has come to him and said, King, I need to talk to you. There's this man, and he tells the story. You guys probably remember it. There's this man who had a whole flock of sheep. And yet he took a sheep that belonged to a neighbor it was the only one that he had, and he took it and he had it killed. Of course, David just goes crazy, right? Who is that? I mean, let's have him. We'll take his head. I mean, and, until Nathan says, oh, king, it was you. And he was confronting him. He was confronting King David about his sin with Bathsheba. You remember the adulterous affair that, that he embarked on, that he started... He engaged in with Bathsheba that led to to having Uriah, her husband, murdered. Right? And then Nathan learns about it through the Spirit of God and Nathan comes to him and, and confronts him with that sin. And Psalm 51 is the psalm of David that was written after Nathan confronted him with his sin. He says, have mercy upon me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. See, he admits it. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil In your sight, everything is in the sight of God. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And then he says this, restore to me the joy of your salvation. You see, David had lost his joy over his sin. He had lost his joy over his sin. And in his prayer of repentance, he asked for God to restore his joy. You know and, and you know when we we read those stories about David and that and I think, "Oh my gosh, you know, adultery and murder." Right, of course you would lose your joy. But you know the the whole uh, our sin is every bit the same. Regardless of how minor it is. And and while David had Nathan. Praise God for Nathan. As David had Nathan. Can you imagine how difficult it would be to go to the king and say, Hmm, let me tell you a story. (coughs) But as David had Nathan to confront him about his sin. We have the Holy Spirit of God that does the exact same thing. That's his job. That's his job. The Holy Spirit's job. And by the way, God, He always does His job. Right? At least eventually, He always does His job. There will be a conviction of sin. And in that conviction of sin, we need to have the exact same heart as what as what David had. A heart of repentance and sorrow and, and restoration. Because you see, it's it's not by sin that we experience joy. It is by obedience that we experience joy. (coughs) Disobedience brings a loss of joy, but abiding in Jesus and abiding in His love through obedience brings joy. Well, let's go on. John 15, 12. Says, this is my commandment. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Here we begin to see Jesus teaching, right, on the relationship of the branches to the other branches, right? Up until now, we've been focused on the relationship of the vine to the branches. The branches being us. Jesus told these disciples, You are the branches. I am the true vine. You are the branches. You produce fruit to the glory of the Father. And, and now he is he is telling these disciples, right? That, that what their relationship to one another is to look like. and And he says... This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. In essence, he's saying, let your abiding in me and your obedience to me be seen in this. Love one another. Love one another. You know, as I I think about that, you know, and and even again, he he sets the standard. Love one another as I have loved you. See again it's it's not something that that we do it is something that is it, that is a fruit a pro, a, a produced by by Jesus through the holy spirit of god as we abide with him he says love one another and you know, we have our we have our own ideas of of what that love looks like when we think about loving one another i think you know, but when Jesus says, as I have loved you, he, he's talking about it being a sacrificial love. In fact, he's, he's going he's gonna to tell them in just a minute, right? In, in, in John chapter thir- 15, verse 13, that greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. It's about, it's about sacrifice, About sacrifice verse 17 he ends he ends this chapter and i'm i'm gonna i'm going to leave out some passages in the middle about if you're my my friends if you do what i command you you come back tonight and we'll talk more about that but he says these things i command you that you love one another see we what he's saying is that that this fruit right that loving one another is, is fruit. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. So loving one another is, that, is, is at least part of that fruit from which Jesus is talking about that comes from, from abiding in the vine." Now, it's not a, it's a love that we already possess, right? Because we're to abide in it. We're to remain in it. But it's a love we already possess. Paul tells the Romans in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, he says, Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You see, if you've trusted Christ... If you've been born again, then you already possess the love of God. You know, twice in these short verses and elsewhere in the New Testament, we, the Word of God says that we're to love one another. And I think about that. I think about, you know, who, who, who are the one another's? Right, well, to, to the disciples, it was these 11 that were walking with him. Right, That's who he's talking to. He's talking to these 11 people. These guys that had been doing life together, that knew one another. They knew about one another. Now, they weren't perfect, right? but they, but they knew one another. I, w- I want you to look around. I want you to look to your left, look to your right, look behind you. Nobody wants to do that. Everybody wants to look at me. But can I tell you, the one-anothers are all around you. They're all around you. They're everywhere in your life. They are the people, they are the, ch- dubbed, they are the children of God. They're those that have been saved like you've been saved. And Jesus said, by this they'll know that you are my disciples, by your love for one another. By your love for one another. And I think about, okay, you know, the one another is my brothers and sisters in Christ. And, 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 and I and I think I think about how, how do they how do they love one another? Right? I mean, and and we know that these disciples, yes, they helped one another, they served together. But then I think about other things that we read about in Scripture. I think about the time when When the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter had a little disagreement. And Paul has to come to Peter and say, Brother, these Gentiles are getting saved. They're receiving the Holy Spirit. They're trusting in in the, the blood of Jesus. It's not just about the Jews. And Peter has to take a step back a little bit. The other apostles too. Until they come back together and they say praise God for what he is doing among the Gentiles. So you see that loving one another isn't, isn't always just kisses and hugs. Right? Sometimes it looks like, brother, I need to tell you something. This is not right. We don't like that. We don't like doing that. I don't like doing that. I hope you don't like doing that. But you know what? It's still it's still a part of loving one another. You know, as I was thinking about this, I was reading a book by Andrew Murray and uh and his his comment on it was this and I you know I didn't I don't want to take it for myself because he's the one that said it but he says this he says let your life and conduct be the sacrifice of love give yourself up to think of their sins or their needs to intercede for them to help And serve them. Be in your church or circle the embodiment of Christ's love. The life Christ lives in you is love. Let the life in which you live it out be all love. You know, the passage strongly implies also, right, that abiding faithful prayer is part of loving one another. You know, as we get ready for an invitation, I want to just—I uh, want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for a moment, and I want to just ask you a couple of questions. First, do you do you experience? the joy of the Lord through your obedience to Him? Or does unconfessed sin steal your joy? 1 John 1, 9 says that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us From all unrighteousness. And then the second question. That I'd like to ask you is this. Do you. Do you put yourself in a position. Where you can love one another. Or. Where you can be loved. By one another. You know as. And as I think about that. I think about. You know. We have to know each other. We have to. We have to be vulnerable. We have to be open with people that are in our circle, whatever that circle may be. I'm not naive to, enough to think that, you know, that 150 people are all going to be open and honest with, with one another. But you know what? We all must have. We must have people in our lives that not only we love on, but that can love on us, that can pray for us, that can encourage us. That might even be able to rebuke us. Do you have that in your life? Can I just tell you, if not, that's what Bible studies, that's what Sunday school classes, what small groups, that's what men's Bible studies, ladies' Bible studies, that's what those groups are for. They're the that we might be open and honest with the people of God so that we have availability and opportunity not only to love one another but to be loved by one another stand with me as Wayne sings a hymn of invitation if the Holy Spirit's spoken to you today and you need to make a decision to follow Christ or to whatever you come have you been us offer have you been Hey friends, before you go, if you have a prayer request, call the church office at 405-381-2492. If you'd like to learn more about our children's, youth, men's, women's, or senior adult ministries, visit our website at fbctuttle.net. Thanks again for joining us today. We love you and we hope you have a blessed week.